Memorial Health System is proud to feature our doctors and staff in this important podcast series. It's Memorial Health Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. If you or one of your close relatives has been diagnosed with ovarian cancer, you may have concerns and questions about whether this type of cancer runs in your family. Today, we're talking about ovarian cancer with Amy Eddy. She's a certified family nurse practitioner at Memorial Health System. Amy, I'm so glad to have you with us. As a woman in my 50s, I know that this is something that many women are scared of. And we have our pap smears, but that's cervical. We hear this is a silent killer. Tell us a little bit about ovarian cancer, how common it is, and and really what's going on in the world. Ovarian cancer, and I'm going to primarily focus on uh, epithelial ovarian cancer, that encompasses about 90% of all ovarian cancers. It is the leading cause of death from gynecologic cancer in the United States for women. Uh, It's the fifth most common cause of cancer death in women in the United States. Um, Approximately 22,000 new diagnoses will be made this year and approximately 14,000 deaths this year as well. Um, as you said, it is it has been known as the silent killer, and that is primarily because the presenting symptoms or what they feel are consistent with presenting symptoms are also common symptoms with so many other uh, gastrointestinal uh, problems, uh, urinary problems, and I think often um, they, they are either uh, diagnosed late or they're misdiagnosed, um, and that leads to the, the main problem of this cancer being diagnosed most of the time at an advanced state. So 80, 80% of patients are diagnosed with an advanced disease. I would like to talk about diagnosis, but before we do, because it's so important, tell us who's at risk and, and what role does inherited trait play in developing ovarian cancer? Because we've heard so much about the BRCA gene and we've heard about it, that mutation for breast cancer. And you know now they're saying for ovarian as well. Tell us about that. The risk factors for ovarian cancer based on theories Uh, based on research that we know, um, we know that decreased risk of ovarian cancer uh, is related to pregnancy and taking birth control pills. So there can be up to a 60% reduction in ovarian cancer incidence with these two things, and that's felt to be because they reduce ovulation. So there's felt to be some relationship between ovulation and the the risk of developing ovarian cancer. So um, conversely, um, nulliparity or people, women who have never been pregnant and perhaps at an older age at their first pregnancy may be at increased risk. Okay, so along those lines then, as someone who has you know, ovarian cysts and and fibroids, and there's all kinds of things growing down there. Is there a link? If somebody is told, 
that you have ovarian cysts, does that mean that they will turn into cancer like a polyp in the colon? What about that relationship? That relationship has not been um, has not been shown. There's some small studies that have suggested that polycystic ovarian syndrome may be associated with um, ovarian cancer, but the larger studies are not showing that. So, so no. Ovarian cysts are very common, and um, they, are, um, they are benign, and they, they can be a problem for women, of course. If they grow, they can rupture. Um, and even result in surgery, but they are not um, linked to cancer. Well, thank you for clearing that up for women such as myself. So now on to diagnosis. We have the screening test for cervical cancer. We have a mammogram for breast cancer. What's the deal with ovarian cancer? Is there any screening test or any warning signs, symptoms how is it diagnosed? For the general woman, and, the, and we will talk about the, the BRCA gene here shortly, but for the general uh, average risk woman, screening is not recommended for ovarian cancer. And that's primarily because screening tests, for example, um, ultrasound, transvaginal ultrasound, um, it has not been shown to if you screen every woman, it's not, it's not feasible, it's not practical, and it's not been shown to, to um, affect overall survival. Uh, the CA125 is a tumor marker that also 90% of women with advanced ovarian cancer will have an elevation in this marker, but... 50% of women with cancer, with ovarian cancer, may not even have an elevated CA125. So it's not a very specific or sensitive test to use as a screening measure. So if a woman, if the symptoms to watch for or be aware of, bloating, uh, pelvic, abdominal pain, difficulty eating or feeling full quickly, or urinary symptoms. And again, those are kind of vague symptoms, but we're looking for women who these symptoms are new for them, or they are significantly worse, and they occur almost daily for a few weeks um, to a few months, um, those women, when they see their primary care provider, those are the women that need to be uh, possibly screened a little further considering uh, a, an ultrasound of the pelvis. Well, certainly, as you say, those are the symptoms of everything we women go through, whether it's GI or pelvic floor or any kinds of things we go through, menopause, premenopause. So then what? If we do have those, and you mentioned an internal ultrasound, a, a vaginal ultrasound. So there is a way to detect ovarian cancer. For these women that you've ruled out other causes, they have these, these symptoms, they are felt to have risk factors, then those, those women 
uh, perhaps should go on to to get an ultrasound, even a CAT scan if necessary. And if abnormalities are found on those studies, then further evaluation with, with blood work, um, pelvic exam, even though, as you mentioned earlier, pap smear is a cervical cancer screen, but on the pelvic exam, the bimanual examination, the doctor can um, at times uh, palpate the ovaries. So again, this isn't a common way of detecting ovarian cancer, but it's part of the workup. So these women are put through this type of workup in, in trying to determine if there's an ovarian abnormality and if there is, then referral to gynecologist or perhaps an oncologic gynecologist to have the appropriate um, biopsy or surgical procedure done. Really great information. And before we wrap up, just tell us generally what you've seen if a woman is diagnosed with ovarian cancer treatments available. Kind of tell us what's going on in the field. The most common treatment is is surgery. So most patients with ovarian cancer will uh, have some some, uh, level of surgery. Early stage cancers will be treated uh, perhaps with surgery alone. The ovarian cancer Um, there's different stages, and the stage of the cancer, which perhaps may be uh, known prior to surgery, sometimes you don't know the full extent until surgery is done because surgery uh, needs to be done in a specific way. That's why it's important for an oncologic surgeon to to do these procedures. Um, These cancers have to be staged very carefully, and um, done in a um, very step-by-step manner. Um, af- again, surgery alone may be adequate for uh, stage 1A or early cancers. Those with regional, regionally advanced cancers and more advanced cancers spread to other organs uh, will most likely require chemotherapy of of some uh, degree, um, and that would be decided by a medical oncologist. There, is, there are new um, targeted therapies, immunotherapies, that are showing some promising um, statistics, and those, those uh, treatments also would be discussed for the appropriate patient. And then, of course, we, we, we touched before a little bit about the, the BRCA uh, genes, and I want to just touch on that. Um, about 15% of ovarian cancers come from women with uh, inherited mutations. So we all have BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes. We all have those genes. Um, but what happens when those uh, genes undergo a harmful mutation, they can no longer do their job, and their job is to repair DNA in, in cells. When they become mutated, they cannot repair that damage properly, and they 
can lead to harmful mutations that can lead to cancer. And we, we get these mutations uh, from your father or your mother, and they are linked to increased risk of several types of cancer, mostly breast and ovarian. Um, and for, for a patient that is diagnosed with a BRCA mutation, and that is through genetic testing, there are genetic specialists that, that offer this testing, and uh, if you are felt to have certain risk factors, then, then you may be a candidate for this testing. And if you test positive, your family members also, it is important to consider testing. That was a great explanation. Thank you so much, Amy. So wrap it up for us. What would you like the listeners to know that are like me that wonder, you know, is this appointment going to be the one or are there any symptoms that I would notice? What can we do? And what is the importance of early detection? Early detection is is very important, but the challenge with ovarian cancer, it's it is a cancer that is very difficult to detect early because often when symptoms present, the cancer has already advanced and is already at, a, at an advanced stage. So the symptoms that we talked about early, although vague, if, if someone develops this uh, these symptoms with the bloating, the, the pelvic pain, g- eating and getting full quickly, uh, urinary symptoms that are otherwise unexplained, then they need to be proactive and, and talk to their doctors perhaps about these, the concerns, possible ovarian etiology, and have additional testing done if the doctor feels that is that is indicated. And of, of course, if you have uh, a family member with ovarian cancer, genetic testing does uh, need to be considered. All women who are diagnosed with ovarian cancer, are it's recommended that they have genetic testing done. And having that information, um, although it carries it carries anxiety for family members when they are when they find out that they are uh, BRCA positive because it the implications of the positive uh, uh, genetic test may result in a lot of difficult decisions for them in terms of risk reduction surgeries or um, how it it may Im- impact their their families. Um, you know, other relationships. So important and and such great information for us to hear and to reiterate the importance of being your own best health advocate and, and knowing your body. And when symptoms like that pop up and they're different and they scare you, get in touch with your doctor. And that's really great advice. Thank you so much, Amy, for coming on. And that wraps up this episode of Memorial Health Radio with Memorial Health System. Head on over to our website at mhsystem.org for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. If you found this podcast informative, as I did, if you are a woman, please share with other women because we all need to hear this information and we all need to learn from the experts together. So please share on your social media, tell your friends and family to listen to this podcast and be sure not to miss all the other interesting podcasts in our library. Until next time, I'm Melanie Cole.